What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 9 of the Flip Screen Games Podcast, a weekly video game podcast where two best buds from different nations come together to talk about the wide, wide world of video games. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Hello, Steve. How are we doing this week? Really good, yeah. Uh, yeah. Having, having a good week. And uh, I'll get to it when we talk about what we planned. Beat Diablo tonight with my brother. So that wow, was all right. Cool, cool. I like that. Very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, and uh, I mean, aside from that, it's got to be a pretty good time for you and Jolly Old England because Bake Show is back, of course. So, you know. It is, it's, uh, yeah. It's like the winter solstice for your people. <laughs> <laughs> watched episode two of that, episode two of that, which we'll talk about on next week's One More Thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it on Friday. Um, but of course, this is a video game podcast, so let's talk about video games. Uh, you know, welcome to the Flip Screen Games podcast. Before we get into all of the housekeeping, I want to tell you that this week's episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of October. Thank you all so much for your support over on patreon.com slash flipscreengames. Y'all are the realest of the real. And uh, of course, those folks are Zaid Ida, Wakahula, uh, Gabriel. You know, I've never said Asobi's last name before. I'm going to say it's Halsmeyer. Halsmeyer. If that's wrong, Asobi, you tell me and I'll, I'll get it right next time, okay? Send me a little little recording of, of how to say it and I'll, I'll nail it. But I think Halsmeyer is probably right, if I had to guess. Oh, no, I would have gone like Hasselmeyer. Hasselmeyer, you think? Yeah. I will bet. We just made a bet. You let us know who won, Asobi. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I bet it's neither of us, so we totally butchered, <laughs> <laughs> butchered his name. I mean, it'll, I'm sure it'll happen from time to time. Uh, Christopher Valenz, a.k.a. That Doc Guy, and Christian Oliveria, thank you all so much for your support. Again, we really appreciate you. Uh, and remember, if you are a supporter over on uh, patreon.com slash flipscreengames, you can get access to our Patreon-exclusive show, One More Thing, uh, where we keep the mics rolling and we talk about what's going on outside the world of gaming in our lives. Uh, this week, Steve and I talked about the uh, first episode of the latest season of Bake Off slash show. Uh, and then we answered a question from uh, Mr. Halsmeyer, Hasselmeyer, Asobi. However, you know, we'll find out wh- which one was right. Um, but we answered a question from him, which was the first piece of reader mail we'd ever gotten on One More Thing. Um, and it was all about um, like balancing your time and stuff like that, time management. Um, so we, it, was a, it was a fun little Q&A uh, episode. It was a little bit different. So go check that one out. Um, I think it's well worth your time. And of course, it's the best way to show your support for the show and what we're trying to build here at Flipscreen. Uh, if you want to get links to everywhere else we are on the web, we are, of course, at flipscreen.games. That's our website. We've got links to our Twitter, our Discord. Uh, you know, you can write into us our questions at flipscreen.games. All of those are a great way to get your thoughts right on the air during our question block segment uh, or during our main topic. And then, of course, we've also got um, links to our Twitch channel over there, twitch.tv slash flipscreengames, where every Thursday, Steve and I, and sometimes Chewy, come together and play uh, games with you, the community. Uh, We're streaming on other days randomly here or there, but every Thursday night, we are, of course, there. Uh, This week, we're streaming the first chapter of Deltarune, which was a Patreon uh, pick. All the Patreon folks voted on that uh, two weeks ago before the last Direct. Uh, This will be Steve's first time playing the game. Um, by the time you're listening to this, it already happened, uh, but the archive should still be on Twitch. And if it's not, of course, there is a Patreon perk that we have now. If you're at the blue coin level or above, you'll get access to an archive of every one of our uh, Twitch streams from now on. So if you want to catch that and you don't, you missed it live, there's a couple ways you can go get your hands on it. Um, and I'm sure we had a good time. So speaking of a good time, let's talk about what we're playing. Let's not bury the lead. You beat Diablo 2 already. What the hell? Yeah, so I've, we killed Diablo. Uh, we haven't done, now done the epilogue, which is the expansion that originally came with the game. Uh, but we finished the main game, Acts 1 to 4. Uh, we f- I finished it earlier today, actually, as, as we're recording this. Um, it, he was tough. He was really, really tough. I forgot how tough uh, Diablo is to, is to beat. Um, I fared a lot better than my brother, who died like six times <laughs> while we were while we were going. And it takes ten percent of your Damn. money every single time. So Just I don't throwing think he's Sam so under the bus. <laughs> um, but once we'd figured out like a bit of a strategy, so I went in and it was it was clear that anything that I spawned. He just killed in seconds. It did not have enough health. 
so the best strategy for me was as a druid transform into a werebear i go and take the brunt of the hits while my brother's going up behind him and just like shooing him with like, he's got this like bone bone spear thing as a necromancer that just shoots bones at uh, Diablo so I was there like taking all the damage we had two portals open so I would dash through one portal come back in the other straight away so we would like end up on the other side of the map so we'd go back to town come out the other side we'd run back around it was crazy <laughs> it was it was really really crazy uh, but we finally figured out that strategy and took him down and it was so satisfying to to finish it so now that you've beaten it are you like itching to run again with a different class or something or are you kind of like i know you've effectively played through the game almost two full times now yeah so um i mean i've played through this game maybe like 20 times so we've got the we've got act five to do which is the epilogue which is the expansion so we're going to take down um Baal, the lord of destruction and uh once we've finished him uh, then obviously I've got the secret cow level I could go to if I want to, uh, which I probably will. Sure, uh, <laughs> It's always a good time with the secret cow level. And then I think I'm going to go back and play as either a paladin or a barbarian. I've picked up a bunch of stuff that is for both of those classes that I can't use. So it's just in my shared stash at the moment, ready for me to go in as another character. And the, the first season of laddering opens up, um, at the beginning of October as well. So I haven't been able to play any of that yet. I'm looking forward to seeing what seasonal stuff they've got, if there is anything new or if it's just the same content from the original game. Uh, But I do want to dig in and and find out um, regardless because... I forgot how much I love Diablo. It's 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 fantastic game. I've had such a good time, and I think if anyone played Diablo two and was just like, I mean, I spoke about this uh, last week, I know, but if anyone has played Diablo two before and thinks, well, I don't need to pick this up because I I know the game, I would say definitely pick it up. There's so there's so many quality of life improvements. It looks phenomenal. It plays so well. You won't you won't be disappointed. And just the controller support alone, I think, was was well worth the money. And the fact that they're only charging, I think I paid thirty pounds for it. You can get it with Diablo three and all the expansions as like a, a combo for like fifty quid. It's it's a bargain. Really? That's a good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good deal. It's not bad at all. Well, cool. Good. I'm glad I'm glad you're still having fun with it. Um and that you've still got some mileage to get out of it yet. Um yeah, you'll have to beat me in a bet one day, so I'll play it. Yeah, so you can go and spy the cavern. You know what? Never mind. I'm out. <laughs> uh, so for, for my side of the fence, um, I've been playing more of uh, the Ghost of Tsushima director's cut uh, with the Iki Island stuff. Um, I think I'm most of the way through it now. I have completed uh, one of the like big major objectives, and I, I've gotten probably about a third of the side quests done on the island. Um, so I'm chipping away at it. I decided to beat this uh, and and then go back to Deathloop uh, properly just because like bouncing back and forth between them, I was like getting that like, oh, I'm not like my muscle memory's off for both games because I'm going back and forth between the two. So I was like, Ghost is shorter. Let me finish that. And then I can, you know, dig in on the rest of Deathloop um, properly. And uh, yeah. yeah, man, I mean, Ghost of Tsushima is one of my favorite games of all time. It's such a good game. It's just such a good, like, like if you like third-person open-world action games where it's like, let's run around and, you know, there's some story missions, there's some boxes to check. Like, I just think it does that better than so many other games. Like, and it, it it's not, and this was the conversation around the game when it came out, right? Like, it's not the most unique game, but I think it learns so many good lessons from all of the other you know, uh, competitors out there and synthesizes them into like just such a enjoyable package. You know, like I just love, I just love spending time in that world and exploring the environments and stuff like that and getting to see Iki Island, which has some new corners and everything. Um, it really does make the game feel new again. And this was a game that I remember when I beat it and I got the platinum, I was like, ah, oh, there's nothing left to do. Like, I just want more. And it, this is giving me what I wanted, you know? Um, I'm glad. Um, like, how's the story unraveled though? Have you played a lot more since we spoke last? Because yeah, I know last time you were, you were getting into the story, there was this mystery thing with the poison. No one knew who you were. Like, how's that branched out since then? I mean, I know you don't want to spoil it for anyone, but 
Is it a good yeah. story? Is it like a, a unique story compared to the original game or does it tie back into kind of the base game? Um, it's definitely a unique story. And I think that's the thing that I like the most about it. It has a, a much different tone. Um, the whole like, it's very tied to Jin's backstory and it gives context to, um, if you've played the original Ghost of Tsushima, uh, and th- this isn't really a spoiler, like years before the events of Ghost, um, Jin's father uh, dies and he feels um, some level of responsibility for that. And the whole like psycho, uh, like psychedelic kind of element to the game, like ties back to some of those feelings he has. But aside from that, it's totally kind of removed from the main plot. And it has a very different, distinct flavor um, because the original story is so grounded. Um, the whole like him having hallucinations and everything like does really give this kind of a different vibe because um, you'll just kind of be like walking along and then all you know out of nowhere you'll find yourself like hallucinating and it's like it's very disorienting you know um, that was one thing I actually really hated about Far Cry Five I don't know if you remember those like drug induced levels yeah. I just found them so. I found them boring, but I know that's probably not how Ghost of Tsushima handles it. I was just like, I really don't care about yeah, this character. I never, I never thought that those were great in Far Cry. I thought they worked better in the first one because the first one was very much about like, you know, I don't know. I think it's funny, right? Because like Far Cry often gets criticized for its politics. Um, but I actually think the politics of the first game are like, pretty interesting like i like how like you're playing this like privileged white kid on vacation and that's the one that's not a ubisoft game right no it is it's like joint made isn't it a joint made with crytek that might be true that's why it has the far cry name yeah that might be right um which i mean it could be it it could be like crytek's influence on that story which is why it's a little bit different uh because it is very different to all the other games far cry sure yeah yeah um, but anyway, the, the point I was making was like, I like that that whole story is very much like about how, you know, uh, he immediately falls into this, like just finding joy in being a bloodthirsty killer and everything and whatever. Um, but it doesn't handle the psychedelic stuff like that because it's much less like a, oh, all of a sudden I'm in a psychedelic mission. It's more like you'll be in the middle of doing something and then you have this voice in the back of your head that's like, Oh, like, you know, like there's like there's all this blood on your hands and you think of yourself as like being this, you know, liberator or whatever. Like you're just a, a killer. Like it's very much like all of his own deepest, darkest fears. Nah, like, kind cool, of, yeah. it, it reminds me a lot more of like um, Arkham Knight, um, which I don't think you've played. But there's like a big thing in that where like you have like the like this phantom version of the Joker is like following Batman around and like whispering in his ear. Like it's kind of more like that. It also um, kind of sounds a bit like Hellblade, right? Because that's the whole story of Hellblade is that sure. the voices in your head are what's kind of controlling you and compelling you to do things. Yeah, yeah. So it plays with it like that a little bit more. It's it's like a little predictable for this kind of story. Like it's kind of playing out the way you might expect. But I mean, it, but it was like, what, 2002? Something crazy like that for the original Far Cry? Oh, I meant Ghost. Oh, you want about Iki Island? Yeah, okay. like I mean the way that Iki Island handles it, it is like a little bit like... Okay, yeah, like this is like the the beats of the story are what you would probably expect for the kind of story I'm telling you that it is. But, you know, I think when you look back at Ghost, Ghost was like that too, right? Like the main story of Ghost is not groundbreaking or revolutionary in its beats or what happens. It's that it's a world that you want to live in and it's occupied by characters that are memorable and likable. And this has that going for it, you know? Um They've introduced, like, a bunch of new characters here on Inky Island, and there's, like, one of them uh, who's, like, the first ally that you make there, and I really like him. He's a very interesting character, Um, and, like, he's got, you know, kind of his own baggage with Jin's history and everything, and, like, them, you know, kind of overcoming that and everything and and finding a way to work together has been, like, a compelling dynamic. Um, So, yeah, I I really feel like it's nailing it. Like, it's, it's, again, it's... Nothing about the story is groundbreaking, but like it's enjoyable and well executed. And I think that like sometimes that's all you need to do, right? You don't need to reinvent the wheel if you make a really, really good fucking wheel. 
Well, yeah, and like think about the the movies you go and see, the big blockbusters. They're not reinventing the world with the story every time. It's just a a good story behind some fantastic action and in this case some great gameplay and characters that you enjoy. Good voice acting, like good music, good art design, like that's yeah, I think this game is the whole package. Um So yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad to have an excuse to be playing it again. Are you allowed but, to put this one on your game of the year list? Because it's, it's technically a re-release, director's cut. Probably. I don't know. We can do whatever okay, we want. It's our outlet. Yeah. We can decide who's yeah. on the list. I say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pray, pray 2017's on my list, so why not? That's bullshit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that is not a new release. Uh, and then the only other thing I wanted to just touch on briefly um, is I, I got back into Pokemon Unite in a big way. Season one ended, um, and I wrapped up my season pass. I got a season two uh pass and i'm working on that right now i'm very close to unlocking. i thought you were done with this game i thought you'd you'd broken the loop and now i hear that you're back in i'm back baby i'm wow. fucking back okay. i'm back i'm <laughs> climbing the ladder uh the reward for season two um like the first reward that you get is a lucario skin he happens to be my main so i was very happy about that I'm a few coins away from unlocking Blastoise, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, they've made some big changes in season two to like the flow of how you complete the season pass. It's like you have a lot more opportunities to do it and not have to like log in for your dailies all the time and everything. So like I feel like they've made some good changes. Um, you know, I think like the bones of of Unite are are good. Um, and I'm excited to see them continue to iterate on it because there's a lot, a lot to improve on for sure. Um, particularly in like the flow of some of the matches, but I think that there's a lot of, um, I don't know. There's, there's definitely a lot of opportunity for, for growth from here. And I love what they've done so far. I definitely recognize, I was talking about it with, um, my friend Sean from the comics pals last night and he was like, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the game. I don't know if I'd be playing it if it wasn't a Pokemon game. I think that that's probably fair to say. But I think that it does enough that's unique and has enough that I'm really enjoying um, for its iterations on the MOBA genre that like, I'm down to, to play for at least another season or two and watch them get it together. You know. So if they were running around and it was like Digimon instead of Pokemon, you don't think you'd still be playing the game? I don't know. Maybe not. Like, I, I can't argue that Pokemon wasn't a motivating factor for me to, like, check it out. But I also think if I didn't like the game and the core loop of the gameplay wasn't good, I wouldn't still be playing, you know? So it's a little no, bit of both. Playing, you're, like, you're not playing Pokemon Quest, right? Right. Exactly. Um, so that's the thing is, like, you know, I definitely recognize my Pokemon bias playing some kind of role. Um, but I also think that, like, the real there, there's something there, um, which is why I think I have stuck with the game. I enjoy it a lot. I really do. I think it's going to be on my game of the year list. Not, maybe not near the top, but I think it's going to definitely be, break that top 10. It's a game I've, I've put a lot of time into and had fun with. All right, so jumping into the, some of the news from this week I wanted to talk to you about. Um, we got uh, some news out of TGS that ap appears to point to you know Xbox making a play for Japan again, right? Which is something that oh, yeah. I feel like we've talked a lot about this generation, right? There was that they had sent a huge number of Xbox uh, Series Xs um, and maybe Ss as well, I don't quite remember, uh, to Japan more than, than ever before. There was that rumor a while back about you know them kind of sniffing around some Japanese studios. Um, but we got some, some new updates uh, to, I guess, that ongoing story here. Um, of course, uh, I think the biggest being that Xbox uh, Cloud Gaming is now available in Japan, um, which you could definitely see why that would speak to the market. I know there's been a lot of conversation about how like Game Pass has been getting a lot of attention in Japan and the idea of, you know, the Japanese market, which is kind of, you know, very like they they are way into handhelds over there. Right. Because a lot of people commute there. Like a lot of people don't spend as much time at home. Um, there's a lot of factors that play into that. So you can see why this would be a big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when you consider as well, they've got like fantastic cell networks and Wi-Fi everywhere. It makes sense that this would be something they'd want on their phones and they can play it out and about and wherever they go. But you tie this in as well with the uh, the release earlier last week 
to Xbox Insiders of the cloud stuff on Xboxes. It's on old Xboxes, it's on current Xboxes, it's on PC, it's on mobile. I think Xbox just want to be everywhere. And if they if they can be just like, no matter what device you've got, you don't necessarily have to buy our console. And but we've got the games you want in on our service, especially considering the games that they announced coming to Game Pass today. Well, go ahead. What are some of those? So the two games that they that are now on Game Pass that they released today at TGS, uh, Scarlet Nexus and AI The Somnium Files, both two Japanese-developed games. Uh, Scarlet Nexus, uh, obviously the Bandai Namco game, and I think AI The Somnium Files is a Square game. Um, so it's great to have them come to the platform. You've also got a bunch of the Sega stuff on there, the Yakuza, Yakuza games, um, Judgments on there. Uh, and I can imagine that Last Judgment's going to be coming or Lost Judgment's going to be coming at some point. So let me just interrupt you there for a second. We got a message here. We got an email that I'm going to jump in, all right? This one comes from uh, Mr. Zaid Ida, who wrote in and said, What's up, lads? Uh, <clears throat> Microsoft... Sorry, okay. Uh, hmm, there we go. Okay, Microsoft is once again being linked to entering the Japanese market. And this reminds me of the Sega, Sega acquisition rumors for a little while back. So ironically, these rumors are coming back up right around the time that a Sega published game, Lost Judgment, just released. I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. On one hand, you can't deny uh, this work that Microsoft has done to make sure everyone can play their games. But, uh, but the other, more emotional part of me doesn't want these rumors to be fulfilled because in my head, PlayStation has been the JRP mach- JRPG machine for my entire life. And to see Sega... Um, a genre-defining studio for JRPGs get acquired by Microsoft would definitely have me a little worried and upset. The actual question part of this uh, email is whether or not it's going to happen. Since this rumor has been going on for a while, I think we might be seeing a clearer picture of how this will turn out. Curious to hear your thoughts. Keep your screens flipped. Homeowner's Aid. So I wanted to bring in that question from Zaid because you, you bring that up. We have this bunch of Sega games coming to the platform. What do you think? Do you think that's something that could still happen? Or do yeah, you think 100%. that this is like more than making a strategic partnership with Sega in the same way they did with like EA, you know, where like they have EA games on Game Pass, but obviously they're not making a play to buy EA right now. Yeah, I mean, EA is quite different. I think uh, EA is a lot more money. Sure. I don't think they, they would want to. Oh, I mean, I don't know. They bought Bethesda. I was going to say they don't, they don't want to spend that much, but they spent a ridiculous amount of money on Bethesda. Yeah. But Sega's got a bunch of studios. And it gives them two things that they're looking for. The possible entry into the Japanese market and more family-oriented content with Sonic and uh, with um, all of the Japanese games they have as well. You know, you've got Atlas coming over. So Sega would be a great play, but I could see them buying someone potentially a little bit smaller, like uh, a Capcom or uh, maybe a Square Enix. You think Capcom's smaller than Sega now? I don't know. I don't know what Sega's earnings look like. Like, it's hard for me to say, because, like, I know that Sega has a few IP that make a lot of money, but so does Capcom. Yeah, true. I mean, and they've also just, they did the split of the business, and Sega's in the process of closing down most of their arcades. Mm. So now is kind of a good time for Microsoft to snap them up, because they are closing down that side of the business. The only side of the business that they will have remaining will be the video game side, because games just arcades just won't make profitable during the pandemic in japan and so they just yeah they weren't viable to keep open i i feel like if anybody was going to buy capcom it would be nintendo nintendo doesn't buy anyone they haven't not capcom bought- sorry i'm thinking bandai namco i was like they work with capcom a lot right no not so much lately no not so not so much but they did and and because Cap- obviously they did capcom did all of the gba games uh for uh zelda they game boy color the- too not all of them, a but ton. they did the uh, Oracle of Ages and Season, I think, is Capcom yeah. as well. And they did a ton of um, arcade games. So that Luigi's Mansion uh, game that I sure. spoke about on Nintendo Noise was a Capcom game. Uh, but Bandai Namco also make games, arcade games for Nintendo as well. Like the uh, Mario Kart game is a, is a Namco game. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I don't know. I, I'd never say never. You know, because I if I would have never in a million years guessed that Xbox would acquire Bethesda, and they did. So the idea of them acquiring Sega, I don't think is crazy. I think Sega is a uh, has long been a gaming brand that 
its branding and its IP is more valuable than the games it actually makes. Um, and that's that's not to say like to speak ill, right? Because like obviously Atlas is is under the Sega banner and they put out fire. Um, but you know, I I don't think I don't think it's uh hard to say that Sega doesn't always manage their IP the best, and you know, um, you know, I think their biggest strength has always been marketing. <laughs> And, and creating things that are like that have a an, an air of coolness around them you know um so yeah the idea of like Xbox wanting to acquire them and take some of those IP and you know like leverage what's already working as Xbox exclusives like the idea of like a persona 6 you know being an Xbox exclusive or something like that would obviously be a big deal for them um but I also think that you know, to the point that Zade made uh, in his email, right? Like, you think of PlayStation as the the place to play big JRPGs. And if it's not PlayStation, it's Nintendo, right? It's definitely not Xbox. And, you know, role-playing games and, you know, like some of the other genres that I think you always associate with, like, Nintendo and Sony, like visual novels and things like that, they're very popular genres in Japan. And, like, if Xbox wants to get a foothold in those markets... They need to, you know, make sure that they are not only bringing appealing American games overseas and presenting them in a way that's accessible, but also, I think, giving Japanese gamers the things that they want to see, right? And the, the genres that Japanese gamers tend to gravitate to more than, than you know, Eastern gamers. Um, or, I'm sorry, Western gamers. Uh, and it, it's funny, you know, I, I mentioned the thing about bringing appealing xbox stuff to japan one of the other things that came out of tgs was todd howard announcing that there's a full japanese localization for starfield with over 150,000 lines of dialogue uh redfall which is that um, vampire game that's being made by arcane is also being localized for japan um so i mean i think it's pretty clear that that this is something that they're aggressively after yeah and it's so curious as to why because japan's not a massive market really in the grand scheme of the whole of the world like europe and america but i guess they've kind of lost out in europe maybe they've conceded defeat that playstation is the stronghold especially in the uk they're not they're not gonna win here and maybe they can in japan if they do snap up these games as exclusives if they do have game pass that everyone's interested in and they do have like the the cloud service that people want but they are also working on their own games with Japanese studios because obviously they now own Tango Gameworks, which was part of the Bethesda acquisition. And Phil Spencer did a, an interview with their CEO, Shinji uh, Mikami. And it looks like the Evil Within 2 director, uh, John Johannes, is working on a new game at Tango. So we could potentially be seeing Evil Within 3 or it could be something fresh from them, which which will be good to see. Um, and this is the same company that did uh, that. Is it the uh, Tokyo Ghostwire? Um, Ghostwire, Ghostwire Tokyo. Tokyo. Um, so this is that team. So, I mean, whether that game looks appealing to you or not is uh, is another matter. To me, I, I'm not interested in it. But I think it goes to show that they are invested in Japan and perhaps the acquisition of Bethesda to get to Tango was like one of the strategic points as to why they wanted that Bethesda acquisition in the first place. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because like you can make the argument that you know Japan isn't like the biggest market, but I think like I don't know, like outside of the United States, every market is a lot smaller. You know, um like Europe as a market is is big, but Europe as a market is less one market than the u.s is right like that really varies like business to business right and like i think a lot of european nintendo fans would talk about how nintendo of europe is like generally the one that has the least attention and you know it's it's not to say that that's not a big market but it's such a segmented market that i think it's harder to make an aggressive play to be like we're gonna infiltrate europe and become you know really like lay roots there whereas like i think you can more broadly appeal to the quote-unquote japanese market because there are more similarities among japanese players than like uk players versus germany players or or whatever right um i think you could argue like you you brought up how uh you know the playstation is dominant in the uk 
right? And like that's kind of been the case since 1995 when the PlayStation came out. But the PlayStation isn't necessarily as dominant in the rest of Europe, you know? Um, it varies a bit from country to country. So like I think once you're at a point where you're like, we're trying to appeal to everybody, right? Like any market that you can lay roots in is worth getting into to some degree. It's just a matter of how much of an investment you want to put into it. And I guess the argument you could make with them like acquiring Japanese studios and like Japanese centric developers or whatever um, is that, yeah, you're making a play for the Japanese market, but like it's not like American gamers don't like Sega games. Right, oh, no, like it's absolutely. it's a multifaceted but, play. Yeah, and it's not just like JRPGs as well. Like that's that's one thing. But think about all the fighters they own, and all of the back catalog that they have, and the platformers, and the racing games, and the, all of the arcade games. All of that would come along. And what are all of those things? Gaps in Xbox's portfolio. They don't have a yeah. kart racer to compete with Mario Kart. They don't have a mascot platformer with the name recognition of Mario. You know. Sonic being a, a tent pole of Xbox would be huge. Yeah, it would be bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. But they had this partnership. Do you remember back in the Xbox days? So uh, Sega obviously went were close to going bust. They they binned off the Dreamcast. They said we're focusing 100% on video games. All of their games that they were working on on the Dreamcast went straight to the Xbox. And I think it had to do with that Microsoft deal that they did with the Dreamcast, that the Dreamcast ran Windows CE and you could boot up a, like a, a oh, yeah. boot into Windows and it had like a browser and stuff and it was really weird. Uh, but you had like a bunch of exclusive exclusives come. So you had that new Outrun game, um, Crazy Taxi, uh, Jet Grind Radio, uh, which was like the follow-up to Jet Set Radio. Uh, oh no, it was Jet Set Radio Future, it was called. Um, and then um, the port of uh, Shenmue 2 with English localization, which they never bothered to put out on the Dreamcast. They just didn't have the money to localize it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There's really, there is a lot there. There's a lot that you could leverage if you do make that play. Not to mention, like, how many IP there are that, like, have been laying dormant and you know like you look at like perfect dark right and they're bringing that back the idea of xbox like maybe yeah. doing that with some other like dormant sega franchises is i don't know like that could be appealing right i don't know yeah. so to, to answer your question zaid will it happen i don't know um i don't feel confident that there's enough information either way to like make a prediction but i do feel like there's a real good reason to do it and i wouldn't be surprised if it happened uh, but speaking of acquisitions, uh, we had a couple major developments on that side of the fence this week. Uh, the first of which is uh, Sony has confirmed, finally, their <coughs> acquisition of Bluepoint, um, you know, and announced that they're joining the PlayStation family. Uh, we got the news, interestingly enough, that they're going to be working on um, a new game uh, versus a remake. Um, they said that our next, this is a quote from them. Our next project we're working on uh, original content right now. We can't talk about what that is, but that's the next step in the evolution for us. Uh, and then similarly, uh, we had a quote from uh, Herman Holst, uh, obviously, you know, head of uh, of Sony's uh, international studios. And um, Herman said, PlayStation, or I'm sorry, uh this, this is a paraphrase here from the IGN article, and then we have a quote from him. Uh, PlayStation isn't necessarily going to stop looking at potential acquisitions, Holst explained, uh, but they need to be studios that both share the same values and can expand what's offered to PlayStation players. Quote, we are always open to building new relationships or bringing people in-house, but only if we adhere to the quality-first mentality and the right kind of innovative content. New experience new experiences, diverse experiences, because all of these teams, they share a lot, but they're also very different from one another. And that's what I really like. Uh, and I think that's what the PlayStation audience, the PlayStation fans deserve. It's that diverse slate of games coming out of PlayStation studios. So I think this is extremely interesting. Um, because obviously you know, we knew this was happening. I think when, when, when the story <laughs> broke originally, 
Um, we made the point that it obviously made a lot of sense. Bluepoint has pretty much exclusively worked with Sony, uh, I think, for their entire career, if not for the last, you know, two console generations. Um, so seeing them, you know, kind of get picked up by Sony finally uh, makes a lot of sense. I think the thing that's interesting is that they're working on something that's, you know, quote unquote original and not a remake. I don't know that that means that it's a new IP. I wouldn't be surprised if they're reviving yeah. a dormant IP and that that's going to be their job. But oh, I could see them being the ones like, I don't know, bringing over. I, I was going to say bringing over the uh, the Last of Us stuff, but that's obviously not original content. And that's what I would assume that they were working on. That's the thing is, I, I think it's more likely that we see them make like a new Jack and Daxter game or like something like that. Right. Like where it's like, hey, like this is an IP that people love or uncharted. Right. Like like this is an IP people love, but the studio that makes it has moved on from it. We want to pass the torch to somebody else and try to mm. keep it going. I think I think I Blue Point I, could be yeah. a great studio to do that. Uh, uncharted, I think it's unlikely, even though they did do the Nathan Drake collection. I just feel that Naughty Dog seems to have such an affinity to their intellectual property they just want to maintain that grasp on it um but i could see something like gravity rush they worked on the remaster of gravity rush for ps vita the, bringing it to ps4 i could see them resurrecting that obviously they did demon souls what if they're working on a new souls game and they're gonna like a soul integrate like. that mm-hmm. yeah maybe i mean it could be uh like a bloodborne yeah maybe they're working thing. with like for like maybe they're working on bloodborne 2 or something like that mm -hmm. i don't know I mean, that's not crazy you know um yeah i don't know but whatever it is i'm interested yeah like they're, they're obviously they're a studio. talented studio yeah, yeah they've got they've got insane chops over there but i think what you say makes most sense i think it probably is something that already exists probably an engine that already exists because that's their specialty right is taking someone else's stuff taking someone else's engine making it look incredible and doing amazing things with it and if you can do that with say someone else's engine someone else's characters and ip and you make another game what if they're like the studio that makes the 0.5 games like the in-between games when that studio is working on bigger stuff that's an interesting idea i could see that yeah but I don't know, right? There's also a lot of, like, Sony IP that's just kind of sitting right now. Like, something like, you know, like, maybe we bring back, like, Resistance, you know, from the PS3 era, right? Or, like, maybe we bring back, like, you know... Um, Wipeout would have been nice, but they decided to do a mobile card game instead. I would have said Twisted Metal, but the the Destruction All-Star <laughs> folks are working on that, so maybe not. But, but you know, the, the point remains, there's a lot of PlayStation IP that is dormant right now. And I think the idea that they are working on a new Twisted Metal, that they are like, you know, kind of looking backward and seeing what's on the bench that they could revitalize and, and move forward. Um, I have to imagine that Blue Point is part of that plan. Yeah, 100%. I'm also curious as to who you think their next acquisition might be. I'm, I have genuinely no clue. I've thought about this and I just... One, they're either too expensive for Sony to buy. Someone like a Sega, I just don't think that they're going to spend no. the money that Microsoft spends. It's got to be a smaller studio that they've worked with that's niche. And I I just, you know, I I have no idea who's left at this point. I think, I think it's probably likely that you'll continue to see them make acquisitions in the way that they've made acquisitions, where, like, every one of the studios they've bought so far is a studio they've had some history with. They fill a specific niche and, you know, they've put out a game that, you know, has some some heat, right? Like um you look at uh uh Housemark. How they've worked with Housemark for forever. And I think Returnal was proof that they're capable of making a big, you know, box triple A big budget game and that fills a a a niche in their portfolio that no other studio is is filling right um so like something that came to mind for me was like maybe like ember lab right like the studio that just worked on kena bridge of spirits i don't know that i would see them acquire them now but maybe they make no, another I game think it's, yeah i was gonna say i think it's too soon that one had like a lukewarm reception looked great played like a ps2 game 
And I, I think I mean, he's got I an 81 on Metacritic. That ain't bad, you know, for a studio's no, that is, first that game. Is good. Uh, yeah, and I wonder what Sony looks at though. Are they looking to buy IP? Is it the the team that they want? Because like Kena doesn't have that. You know, it's not like oh, there's a, there's a new Kena game that you know people aren't going to get excited and hyped about that. I think it's both. Like I think that they like because like I look at like somebody like Pixel Opus, right? Like they're not a major studio. They're not a studio that you know. Um, has like so okay oh you know what they didn't buy them though they were established as an in-house studio for sony but you know their their first game was entwined and then they did concrete genie right and it's like that's all they've done so like i think that they are interested in ip but i think that they're interested in buying acquiring studios that are going to make new ip not acquiring existing ip if that makes sense you know what I mean? Like that's what it seems like Xbox wants to do is bolster their, you know, uh, their status not only from acquiring, you know, A tier studios that are going to work on new IP that you'll then associate with Xbox, but also being like, oh well, we bought Bethesda, so like all that history, all that good faith, whatever that you attribute to Bethesda, now you consider that with Xbox, right? And like Sega is similar to that, right? Like Double Fine is similar to that. Um, you know, a I lot think of the more, studios. Though, I think the Microsoft stuff is more that we've got Game Pass and we need some games in it, and For we sure. want a new, a fresh new game, at least one a quarter. That was their plan, and and stuff and, that f- that appeals to multiple kinds of gamers. Yes. So if there's not something this quarter, wait three more months, and we'll have something that will be interested to you. Um, do you know a, a developer I've thought of? They might be too big. Um, Sumo Digital. The people that made the Little Big Planet game, the the latest one, yeah, uh, Sackboy, whatever it is called, Sackboy's Big Adventure. I could see them being bought out as a, uh, a, a that would a fill a niche too, studio. right? Like that's a, that mm-hmm. could be their platforming studio, right? Like I think that's the thing you got to think of is like who are you know small to mid sized studios that work with PlayStation and do something that PlayStation doesn't do, or who are the big tier studios like an insomniac who just has a good working relationship with playstation yeah i mean sumo works with anyone they they co-develop a bunch of games that you wouldn't even realize that they worked on like hitman hitman 2 forza horizon 4 um crackdown 3 they, so like, they are maybe that's maybe that's an argument for why they make sense right is like they could be a studio who's hungry to develop new games and with sony they'd have that opportunity or sony could need a support studio and hey if you mm-hmm. do enough support games we'll let you make another Sackboy or we'll let you make another original game you know um i think that's the way you got to think about it though because i think that's how herman is thinking about it and how how sony's looking at it is like who's gonna fit the culture of sony not who can we acquire just to acquire somebody which, not to say that Xbox is making moves, like, randomly, but I feel like Xbox is very much, like, in the in this business of buying studios that have legacy and being, like, cool, now you're part of our legacy, you know? I also think a huge motivator is, on both sides, stopping the other side having really cool games on their platform. I really do think that's a huge motivator. The fact that Starfield's not coming to PlayStation, that has to tie in, and Elder Scrolls Six has to tie into the reason why they got purchased. The same when you look at, say, uh, Insomniac. What if Microsoft had bought them years ago and you never would have got the games that we got? Like Spider-Man would not exist. Mm-hmm. And Ratchet and Clank would be another dead franchise. Uh, but Sony and Xbox are not the only people thinking about acquisitions, apparently, because Netflix, who a few months ago announced their intention to uh, enter the video game sphere... Uh, has acquired Night School Studio, the team behind Oxenfree, and then also launched their first uh, games, some mobile games in Poland, Italy, and Spain as a members-only perk. So yeah. Netflix I is think, here. Yeah. I th- I, yeah, I think we finally see... Uh, they were all rumors. I don't think Netflix ever said that they were 100% getting into the video game space. And like the rumor was... Oh, these aren't going to be streaming games because we were all thinking, oh, is this like that Bandersnatch game? You know, the the Black Mirror game, and it's like, no, these are going to be actual games. And the the mobile games they've released, they're crappy little um, 
mobile games. Like there's one where you, you know, play a play basketball or something. It's not like the oxen free that you might be thinking of. Right. Um, but you download them and you log in with Netflix. And then that's how you gain access to them. They're not streaming. They're not within the Netflix app. They are separate entities that you you download and you gain access to them through your Netflix credentials, which is really interesting. And then, obviously, on the same day, the announcement that they'd acquired Night School, I think, led people to be kind of apprehensive. One, I think, what's going to happen to to Night School? Obviously, Oxenfree 2 is still in development. They've said that that's not going to end and they're going to continue to make that for the platforms that they're working on but does this mean that it's now going to become a studio that just works on netflix ip are they going to be working does netflix want them for the oxen free world and they're going to make it uh you know a show out of that or a movie out of that i'm very curious as to what this means because obviously netflix has made games and had studios create them for them like the stranger things video game and i think they did a, a few others and um night school on um, you know, they have some history in making games for TV shows. They did the Mr. Robot game. Um, so they, they've worked with IPs when it comes to TV shows and know how to kind of get themselves in that world. So I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of worried as to what's going to happen to, to night school. Um, but I'm also excited to see what Netflix is up to. And if this is them going to seemingly try and compete with Microsoft, you know, is this is the Netflix for games going to be Netflix? It's an interesting question. Um, I think like a lot of people, my initial thought, my initial reaction to this is is apprehension. Um, I don't know that it's like a doom and gloom scenario, and I'll, I'll explain why I think that in a minute. But, um, you know, there's no shortage of stories like this of you know, plucky young independent studios getting acquired by, you know, um, multi-million, billion-dollar media conglomerates. And those companies think, oh, we're going to get into video games because video games are big money makers, And they can be. But video games are also very expensive to produce. They require a lot of people that you have to manage. There's a lot of overhead. I, I have made you know, my opinion known about this, I don't think video games are an industry you can dip your toe into. I think games either need to be a fundamental part of your business or they're not worth doing um, because the return on investment is is just not always there. Um, and I think you need to be in it for the long haul. And the idea of, of you know, this studio being acquired um, as part of Netflix's big experiment with video games is concerning because what happens if Netflix decides in a couple of years, ah, failed experiment, we'll pull the plug. So where does that leave night school? Like, do they just get, do they just get dissolved and everybody loses their job? Like, you know, you can read a um, couple dozen chapters about in Jason Schreier's most recent book, uh, Press yeah, Reset. It really reminded me of the Epic, Epic Mickey, Mickey chapter. chapter. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that's far from the only story like that, right? You know, um, we see this happen but all the time. But it very much is that, right? They've got enticed in. It's like, we're getting into video games. We think they're great. We love what you're doing. We love your games. Come and make stuff with our IP that you people know and love. You, you can make a game with Mickey Mouse. And it's right. like, we make the game. It's over budget. We release it late. And then they like gut the studio, right? Right. It's a it's a horror story. It's horrible. I don't know that this will happen here. And I, I we were speaking um, off mic. I don't. I can't remember when it was. Um, I think it was before we did one more thing. And you were you were making the point of what if they kind of just let night school work on their own and just do what they're doing and right. they can make the form the relationships with these platform holders themselves and this is like their gateway into uh opening up those doors with sony microsoft all of that yeah so i'm glad you brought that up so uh we were talking about that element of it in the um in the context of uh, an example from the world of comic books, right? So as many of you, I'm sure, know, I do a comic book podcast, The Comics Pals. Um, this is something that we talked about a few years ago when it kind of went down. Um, so Mark Millar is a, uh, a well-known comic book creator. You might know him as like the creator of like Kick-Ass or um, uh, like the Jupiter's uh, Circle series, which like just had an adaption on, ne on Netflix. 
um, like Kingsman is him. Um, so he's you know he's a he's a very prominent uh, comic book creator, and he in two thousand four uh, launched his own company uh, called Millar World, which was like to be the place where he would publish all of his creator owned stories. In twenty seventeen, that was acquired by Netflix. Um, and that's the parent company. Like they've, they've been working with him since then. They've put out, um, like six, seven series already. It's, it's a quite a few, quite a few books. Um, and part of that deal was that, you know, basically all of, all of his IP, right? A bunch of them are now being adapted into Netflix TV shows or Netflix movies or, or whatever. Right. Um, but the actual comics themselves, while Netflix owns that company, they're still published through the traditional ways that comic books are published. So, like, um, uh, I think it's Magic Order was one of the first series that he put out. Um, yeah, it's The Magic Order. And that's a book that is published by Image, uh, Image Comics, who is, like, the biggest independent comic book publisher. Um, you probably know them from, like, The Walking Dead and, and Invincible and Spawn and stuff like that. Um, so like the book itself comes out through that, that channel, but Netflix still owns the book. Technically they own the IP, they own the publishing rights and all that stuff, but like, it's still going through traditional comic book channels before they then leverage that IP for a movie. So like, my question is, could we potentially see a similar thing with night school where like, you know, does, uh, oxen free, you know, three, for example, you know, does that still get published in conjunction with Microsoft maybe, right? Or, you know, or, or another big publisher who still, you know, seeds some of the money and they get it as a console exclusive, but then it streams on the Netflix gaming platform, you know? Um, that could be the way, right? Because Netflix probably doesn't care if the game is available on Xbox or something like that, if it, you know, um, helps cut down on overhead or, you know, whatever, right? Like, I, this is just an example, but... It kind of it could go that way. Netflix has done weird experimental things like this in the past, so it's not necessarily all bad news. But it's hard not to look at this and get worried about what it means if Netflix's great experiment fails. Or to your point, does this mean we don't see original IP or ideas from Night School anymore? Because that would be a shame. Because Oxenfree and After Party were both fun, creative games from them, and things I would like to see more of. Not necessarily those IP, but more games like that. Whereas, like, if they're now forced to make that, but as a Stranger Things game or whatever, right? Like, not to say that those won't be fun or cool, but, you know, does that have the same uh, appeal to to the average gamer? I don't know. I'm interested yeah. in new IP. I am too. It also sounds, though, from Netflix's uh, press release on this, and I'll, I'll read out in a second. It's from Mike uh, Verdu, the VP of Game Development, that these are kind of they're making a play for mobile, and that makes sense with what they've released this week as well. Um, so he said, "We'll continue working with developers around the world and hiring the best talent in the industry to deliver a great collection of exclusive games designed for every kind of gamer and at any level of play. Like our shows and films, these games will be included as part of your Netflix membership, or with no ads or in-app purchases." Stay tuned for more. So I think they're really their competition is like Apple Arcade or Google Play Arcade. Yeah, like that seems to be what they're they're targeting and what they're going after. And if it means we no longer get any night school games on other platforms, I'll be really really sad about that. Um, but if it means I can play them for free as part of my Netflix subscription, then I mean that's great. Yeah, it's not where Netflix I want to play option free. Up. Yeah, probably will go up. Definitely will be. There'll be another tier where it comes with games. Right. Which, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I'm I'm not against it inherently, but, like, I don't know. I'm wary, like I yeah. said. Like, I, I, I don't... Give me one example. Uh, Okay. Maybe I don't agree with that. I was about to say, give me one example of a of a studio of a company that doesn't just do games that does games well, and it's only hardware manufacturers because like Sony obviously, you know, had other areas I mean, of their business. They've Microsoft become increasingly has huge irrelevant. areas of their business. Right? Yeah, right. But 
the they're also like a tech company and a, like the idea of them being like oh we developed software and and hardware and then we made a video game box is not as much of a jump as like we're really, Netflix no. we yeah. make TV shows now we're gonna sell you video games like that's very different and like I'm more comparing them to like the Amazons and the Googles and these other. Amazon's new game is seemingly doing really well, and I okay, think, yeah, and this is the and, first one, and they've been in games for how own, long? They own Twitch. Yeah, they bought Twitch. Yeah, you can buy your way into stuff pretty well. You sure can. Um, yeah. but you can also do what they do and buy a bunch of studios and then cancel like five games. Yeah. So <laughs> it's taken a while. I grant you that, and um, seemingly Amazon's uh, has like a worse toxic work environment than anyone else. But surprise, it looks surprise. like their games looks like their games uh, doing pretty well. I kind of want to check it out. Yeah, they're one I'm game. Not queuing, not queuing for like two two and a half hours or whatever it is at the moment. <laughs> to play that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm I'm not against this on its face at all. It's just I have my doubts that Netflix is going to uh, commit the resources they need to commit to really make this happen. I um, c- I could see them doing it if they think there's money involved. Yeah. If they think they can eke out another $2 a month from their members to to get video games. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's just like Netflix is already like struggling to be profitable, right? Like that's like them actually like turning a profit is a fairly recent thing. Um, and video games and cost a lot And that's because of make. their original content, right? Yeah. Now they don't have to pay as many people for as many licenses as, and bringing over their content. Because they already have it on their platform. And that's like the exact same strategy Microsoft's going with is we spend all this money up front and then we don't have to go out and say, right, we'll give you X thousands of dollars right. to put your game on our platform because it's already there because we own it. Yeah. But like how many studios can they afford to spend money on like that? You know, like, I don't know. I just, I, I have my doubts. I have my doubts, but we'll see what happens. You know, um, Netflix has revolutionized markets before. Uh, so we got two questions on this note before we wrap up. Uh, we got a stream we got to get to. Uh, this question comes from Trendy Brenny, one of our Patreon supporters, who wrote in and said, "Is there a chance Oxenfree Two leverages Netflix's gaming platform, maybe as a timed exclusive? I hope the wait isn't too long for the other platform releases. If this does end up being the case, uh, spoilers, spoilers for Oxenfree are a bit more impactful to the experience than other games." Uh, I don't think that'll be the case. Um, I don't think Netflix's gaming platform is like evolved enough and we know Oxenfree has plans to come to Xbox and all that stuff so yeah they'll have signed contracts and have commitments in place for that yes. but I do think this could be the last game that comes to those platforms like Agreed. I said I think from from now on it could quite well be that they're an exclusive they're exclusive to Netflix's gaming platform and if you want the games you have to log in with your Netflix credentials yep I think I think that that is a very likely possibility uh, and then this next one comes from Affy, another one of our Patreon supporters who wrote in and said, I think they will likely have seen what other companies are doing, like Google, Amazon, etc., and are trying to approach it in a different way. I can see them building a portfolio of devs and studios and slowly rolling out a huge library with an add-on for current Netflix subscribers. I think you hit the nail right on the head there, Affy. I think that's mm-hmm. almost definitely what's going to happen. Um, it's just going to be interesting of like, how much money do they have earmarked for the acquiring of developers? And are they able to build out a library of them that create an attractive platform, right? Because we've seen a lot of people create streaming platforms, but I think the only one that's really successful is Game Pass. And that's because it has so many games on it. You know, to a lesser extent, you know, PS Now. PS Now makes a lot of money, but it doesn't have the cultural cachet of of Game Pass. Um, So I don't know. Like, But Netflix is also ubiquitous as hell. So the idea of if if the up if the cost to upgrade to having games is small, I don't know, maybe people bite. Well, you do it for free at the beginning, don't you? And then they yep. do the thing when you're hooked, then they up the price. Because that's what they did with uh, 4K. Um, that's what they did with being able to watch it more than one person at a time. Because now you have to pay extra for that. There's like a whole host yeah. of things. You can you can go in at the base tier, which looks attractive at like six ninety nine, and then it just balloons from there. And video games are obviously the most most like expensive and um, industry, entertainment industry. They, they want a slice of that. Yeah, seemingly everybody does these days. So we shall see. 
we'll see what happens on this one, but it's definitely interesting. Um, lots of lots of interesting developments this week in in the state of uh, you know the future of games right now, right? Like we're early days in this generation and early days at the beginning of streaming technology. I think we'll look back like when we're at the end of this generation, we're going to look back and see a much different industry um, than the one we started with here today. So uh, exciting stuff, exciting stuff. Um, thank you to everybody who wrote in for our question block segment this week, uh, as well as our main topic. Um, there are a few of you who wrote in that we didn't get to this week. Like I said, we've got a shroom we got to jump for, so we'll save those for next week. Um, anybody else, you know, of course, we'd love to hear from you. Write in questions at flipscreen.games. Uh, come join the Discord and keep the conversation rolling with us there. We, we talk about every episode, like with the community there after each week. Um, and on Twitter, all that other stuff. You know, all our links, flipscreen.games. Go check us out wherever you get your content. Uh, and if you want to get some more, head over to the Patreon, you know, throw us what you can um, and get some extra stuff. We got a lot of good perks and goodies over there. I think they're well worth your time. We really appreciate all the support we've seen over there lately. Um, so if you've been on the fence about it, maybe go uh, give it a shot. Give it a consideration. We greatly appreciate it. And if not, there's a bunch of free ways you can support the show. You know, like the video, go give us a subscribe uh, on the YouTube channel. Go give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get the show. Um, give us one of those nice reviews. Share about us on Twitter. Let people know that you enjoy what we're doing. Um, you know, you all, you know, have uh, people in your lives that play games, I'm sure. So if you think that they'd want to come and be a part of what we're building here, let them know. We'd love to have them. All right. So I've been Pete. He's been Steve. We've been Flip Screen Games. We'll see you next week, babies.